Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Madcap. I'm David Ross. And I'm Daniel Bloom. Hello? Hey, is this thing on? Ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to listen to is an experiment in sound. Today, our guest is the head of Dirty Bird Records, a DJ, producer, and a man of the people who moves dance floors all over the world. Claude Von Stroke. Claude Von Stroke, welcome to DC. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you very much. Your new album, your third artist album, is Urban Animal. Yeah. What inspired this album? What does it mean to you? The theme of it is... I had a real job for a long, 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 long time. I started pretty late and I just remember sitting and just like waiting for the weekend. And the theme of it is just kind of like, if you live in an urban environment, you're not gonna go camping or snowboarding or like to the beach, you're gonna go to a nightclub on the weekend. And that's kind of like where people turn into crazy freakish animals. Urban Animal, first track, title track. I think it's one of my favorite tracks on the album. Sets cool. the tone. What were you trying to accomplish with that track? That was the first track I did, and then the last track that I finished. Oh yeah. The goal was to set up some kind of tension, or like this is the intro <laughs> vibe, and then I wanted to cross some genres. Like it's got like an electro pop line, but with a quasi dubstep beat I don't know I was just trying to see what happened this song urban animal is the title track of Claude von Stroke's exemplary new album the 100th release on Dirty Bird, a label he founded nearly a decade ago. In the following conversation, we'll hear about the evolution of Deep House in America, what it takes to build a successful label from the ground up, and how an upstart DJ and producer named Barclay Crenshaw became the music juggernaut known today as Claude Von Stroke. Here's a hint, his wife plays no small part. Most fans know that Claude Von Stroke makes his home in the San Francisco Bay Area, and that he was raised in the suburbs of Detroit. But it turns out that his first association is with another Midwestern city. I was born in Cleveland, and then we moved to Detroit. So I'm cursed with being a Browns fan. Oh, man. <laughs> what ages are we talking about? So I moved to suburbs of Detroit in seventh grade. Okay. So I was in Cleveland for a while. What were your parents listening to? My dad is like an audiophile and he listens to classical music. And he had like four records that weren't classical music. 
one was Jean Michael Jarre, like experimental. Like I know his records because I was looking for the ones that weren't classical, so I know all the ones that weren't classical. The other one was Sergeant Pepper. Gotta have that one. For the benefit of Mr. Kite, there will be a show tonight on trampoline. The Hendersons will all be there. Later, Pablo Frank is there. What a scene. Over men and horses, hoops and garters. Lastly, through a hogshead of real fire. And of course, Henry the Horse dances the wall. And a Rolling Stones album. And I think the other one was still classical, but it was like Bach played on synthesizers. (laughs) (laughs) So so you mixed Bach. Right. (laughs) Like switched on Bach. I heard all classical and we had to play instruments in my family. So I played cello and piano. And as you can imagine, like every kid kind of tries to go against whatever they have to do. So as soon as I heard hip hop, I was like, that is my thing. So I was trying to do that. It kind of always battling the classical hip hop. There was always like this little divide in my house like they had no idea what I was really listening to and then I would do my other what I was supposed to so what were you listening to who were your favorite hip-hop artists at the time I am so old that I was there for like the kind of first round not the first first round but like 1984 so I listened to everything like as it came out from Spoonie G to Run DMC to Eric B and Rakim Don't sweat the technique. Don't sweat the technique. Let's trace the hits and check the file. Let's see who bit the dot tech the style. I flip the script so it can't get filed. At least not now, it'll take a while. I change the pace to complete the beat. I drop the bass to them, see get weak For every road they trace is a scar they keep Cause when I speak, they freak to sweat the technique I listened to all of it and I was obsessed with it Did you see uh, a lot of these acts when they, whenever they came to town in Detroit? Like, oh, I mean, no, I was like 12 I mean, like, I mean, as, <laughs> as you got I did, though, go to Fresh Fest Which was like <laughs> There we go Which was the thing where you could see like 10 acts So it would be like Joe Ski Love, Fat Boys, Houdini, Curtis Blow. Breaks in a bus, breaks on the car. Breaks to make you a superstar. Breaks to win and breaks to lose. But these here breaks, rock your shoes. And these are the brains. Break 
like some crazy lineup of everybody who was popular right at that moment. Nice. So how did you start listening to house music or might have been called techno then in Detroit? I didn't listen to it. No? The difference between being in Detroit, though, and being other places that you, is that you could hear it on the radio. Mm-hmm. But I was never into it. So I heard, like, all the Metroplex stuff. And I was always like, what the fuck is this stuff? <laughs> Future by Model 500, the alter ego of Detroit techno innovator Juan Atkins. This was the B-side of Metroplex Records' first release in 1985. I didn't really know why they were playing it, and I didn't get it. It was way later that I caught on. What do you think about that? Because you know how music sometimes, you perceive it a different way during periods in your life? Yeah. Do you think it's like kind of like a personal evolution, or just like it's just like where you are at your, at your point in your life where a beat hits? No, I actually think that you can relate to hip-hop on the radio, but you have to go to a club to get techno and house music, to understand why you would like it i mean there's songs that are good in those genres but until you go clubbing you don't really understand what's going on mad cat let's talk a little bit about this album urban animal pete Corey and i were listening to clapping song this morning uh-huh. in the studio jamming out and what I like so much about that song is how you play with introducing and then taking away elements at the key times. That track is the one that only took like a couple of days to make, which is pretty rare for me. I'm really slow. But usually if I have an, a really solid idea, there's always a track on an album that I do where I'm playing with the idea of constructing or deconstructing a sound. So Deep Throat, I was like deconstructing and then vocal chords I was putting a sound back together and then this song and then this sound I'm putting it together and taking it apart complete a track who is the first person that you play it for to hear, to hear their response usually my wife okay hears it and then my kids oh my kids hear it first and then and they'll just tell me that they hate it <laughs> usually but that's only because they want to get my ipad or something and they don't want to talk about the music but 
<laughs> Do they have a favorite track in the album? I don't even know if they like the album, but they love Shake It to the Ground remix from like 10 years ago. Yeah, we were listening, we were listening to that in the car on the way over here, the Rai Rai remix. Yes. Yeah. Shake it to the ground, what? Von Stroke remix of Shake It to the Ground by DJ Blackstar, with vocals by Baltimore's own Rai Rai. You're listening to Madcap. I'm Daniel Bloom. And I'm David Ross. Now, we return to our discussion with Claude Von Stroke about his recent album, Urban Animal. Can't wait. What track on the album means the most to you? I don't know. That's a good question. I think Can't Wait. My wife's on that one again. Okay. She's on a few tracks that I've done, just like she has a little sound effect or whatever. She she says can't wait and all that stuff. That's sweet. Yeah. I love that track. Thank you. Yeah. So you mentioned your wife, and I heard a great story about how she enabled the creation of Dirty Bird Records. Can you right. recount that? Yeah, so, well, we weren't even married yet, but uh, wow. I had a lot of jobs. Like, I've had every kind of job that you can imagine. Was selling fake perfume one of them? Yeah. Okay. That was only a week. <laughs> was, was that like a powerful week, though? <laughs> no. no, it was like one of those things when you get to a city and you have no idea where to get a job, and then you just read it in the paper, and it's kind of like a pyramid scheme where they're just trying to get your parents to buy, like, <laughs> 40 bottles to support you. <laughs> And they just have like sales meetings, like you're gonna own this company in five years. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? One of those things. Did it smell good at least? But the guy that I wor- that was my quote mentor was a genius. That's using genius very loosely, but <laughs> you know, you just sold it out of the back of your car. Okay. In like parking lots and stuff. So his idea was we would go to the East LA unemployment line when people were getting their checks. <laughs> And sell him fake knockoff perfume. He was actually good at it. I was like, man, this is not gonna work for me. Okay. So you're you weren't married. That yet. was not that job right before the label. That was like way before. <laughs> but so I had jobs and I was kind of like, eh. And I had this idea and we wrote it all out. But and I just made this 
kind of DVD about how to do everything, and I'd interview DJs about how they became famous, and it was just, it was like the biggest thing I'd ever done. And so I had all this information about how to do it, and then so my wife was like, "Okay, whatever. Like you're gonna be unhappy unless you get one shot at this." So she said that she would pay the rent and the expenses for one year. Okay. And I had saved up enough to actually do the label part, but I couldn't do the label part and the rent. So I had saved up like $25,000 or something. And so I started Dirty Bird and she said, if you can make this amount in one year, then you can do it forever. Otherwise you have to go get a job for the rest of your life. Wow. And we made it. I doubled it. boy. Yeah. Yeah, great. man. But what was the level of stress during that period of time? Okay. It was actually less stress than having a job hmm. because I was just like hyper focused. All I did, I just woke up thinking about it, went to sleep thinking about it. I just eat, sleep, breathe this record label. I mean, we did everything like sending interns into bigger record labels and stealing their promo address lists and <laughs> like hand stamping finals and mail hand mailing them to all of our favorite DJs in like Germany and England and whatever. We did everything that you could imagine that nobody would do. Like the work, the work that is like the hard stuff that people don't want to do. So eight years later, right now you guys are you know known all over the world and doing residencies, and this is the hundredth release. Your artist album is the hundredth yeah. release of Dirty Bird. How, how does that feel to you? It's a pretty incredible that we got to hundred. That's awesome. Uh, it's a, it's a little bit easier now, but there's a lot more variables now. So, I mean, we have a lot more releases and a lot more artists, and so. It's, it's kind of a bigger entity. It's amazing that we're that we're here. Do you have any uh, releases that stick out as like your favorite all-time Dirty Bird releases? It's hard to say that, but I mean, there's certain releases where, like "Stupid" by the Martin Brothers. <laughs> came out I was like this is we don't sound like anybody else and this is like a different kind of track and like a big kazoo there are certain tracks that came out where I was like, okay, we're totally different. And it's actually also really cool. 
Style of Eye with The Big Kazoo from 2008. Deep throat, like certain times when I'm, I'm gonna leave out like a million tracks. I would like to come up. Deep throat, released by our guest Claude von Stroke in 1st track the southern draw was so out there had like a guy rapping in a southern accent over a house beat Another track like that, even now, ever. Nice. This is Madcap with me, David Ross, and Daniel Bloom. Our guest today is Deep House Maven Barclay Crenshaw, commonly known as Claude Von Stroke. He's the founder and head of Dirty Bird Records, and we've been listening to some of his favorite tracks in the label's history. Here's another song from Dirty Bird's 100th release, Claude Von Stroke's album, Urban Animal. This is titled, The Bridge. track was really weird because it started out as a reggae track at like 125 and then I just decided that the two genres were not meant to coexist like I couldn't make it sound great I was like well how come nobody's doing dub reg- reggae house music and I'm like oh yeah because the floor on the floor totally ruins it <laughs> but it took me a few weeks to figure that out. So then I sped it way up and then I slowed it way down. And then I just kept experimenting until something just happened. 
And then I always really wanted to do something with an organ. And I don't know, just all, all that, that song is just a whole bunch of accidents all together. All the little vocal things in it are all me just singing for something else that's stupid, like singing a temp line for another song that never got made. And then I just went through and snippeted out the little things. I don't even know what they say, but they sound like they say like, I love you and all these things, but they're not even saying that. Does that song refer to an actual bridge? Yeah, that's because I used to live in Oakland. And so I would drive over the Bay Bridge to get to San Francisco. And I just really liked that. And also, when I lived in San Anselmo, I used to drive across the Golden Gate. And I I guess, but it's for the Oakland, the Bay Bridge. But both of those drives are, I think, the coolest looking views in the world. To me, I love those drives over those two bridges. Yeah, they are beautiful. mentioned about a second ago about like accidents like talk about how accidents are part of like the creative process it's very rare that i've started a song with an idea and actually just had the idea come out exactly i think maybe it's only happened one time with vocal cords i had like a very specific idea and it actually came out the way i thought it was going to come out time I just start out with an idea and I have no idea what's going to happen. Isn't that more fun? Yeah, it is. Unless your idea <laughs> is really good and, <laughs> and you're like, oh my god, it's going to work. But yeah, it's more fun when you just come up. It's when you just mess around and you come up with like, oh, I got the groove now. That's really great. And then you can space everything off the groove. album as opposed to the other albums 
every single person that I talked to, their favorite track is completely different track. And the other albums were not like that. They were really like, these are the fucking hot tracks on this album. But this one, I can't tell you. I'm like, your favorite track is Plasma Jelly? Really? I was totally gonna bring that one up. I'm glad you just dropped that one. <laughs> That's crazy. It's the 27th of June. We are here at Sankey's Ibiza and it is the opening party of Dirty Bird Records. It's their first ever Ibiza residency. It's a stellar lineup, Kill Frenzy, Cats and Dogs, Justin Martin and head honcho, Claude Von Stroke. It's going to be an amazing party. It's already full in there. Let's go in. So we know you're from Detroit. Yeah. And then you have your label based in San Francisco. But recently you had a nice lengthy stay over in, I'm going to pronounce this right, Ibiza. Right. Sankey's, right. 12 weeks. Yeah. How did that come about, and what were your impressions of it? It was crazy. It was a lot of times to go to Spain. Before it started, I was bragging about how we were the only American label with a night in Ibiza. And then I realized why we were the only American night. Because it's a, it's far. <laughs> it was great. It was a great party, but it's definitely far to go. I went there 13 times. Because our night was on a Thursday, I would just travel right out and play Friday, Saturday. So I never really stayed. I was always going around. Did you also fucking triple me out, man? Dude, 
from Claude Von Stroke's latest album, Urban Animal, the 100th release on the record label he founded, Dirty Bird. So Dirty Bird is not just about you anymore, no. and you guys have a really cool roster of artists. So if you right. could just say a couple words about, I'll go down the list. Justin and Christian Martin, how'd you meet them, and what does their sound bring to the label? Justin and Christian are brothers, and I met them before Dirty Bird even existed. They were like the original guys that I met in San Francisco. It kind of like all germinated from me meeting them and finding some people that also wanted to do something that wasn't what was being played in San Francisco. So to me, those are like the original 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 guys from the label duck face by the martin brothers from 2011 how about eats everything eats everything is much newer and He's a really funny guy. <laughs> he's like on and off the label. He's more new. Walk by Eats Everything. Your opener on this tour and yep. one of the most respected female DJs out there, Jay right. Flip. Jay Flip is amazing. She's great DJ. Definitely one of my favorite DJs on the label. So that's why she's opening the tour. We're hoping that J Flip's gonna make a bunch of music this year. I think that would really help her kind of move up into the realm of the Justin Martin Eats Everything category. I think there's a spot for J Flip in the universe. Cause I listen, well, she hates it when she gets put in the quote female DJ. She 
doesn't like the. I don't even want to start talking for J Flip. Jesus. <laughs> I'll get in trouble. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> She's great. <laughs> I mean, I think it's important. You know, you don't want to go and have like the same type of person up there behind the decks all the time every night i mean some yeah, diver- some diversity is good thing where like she doesn't want to get booked because she's a girl dj she wants to get booked because she's good that's kind of her thing Say My Name by J Flip. Dirty Bird release number 105. Kill Frenzy, right? Whose track Booty Clap was pretty amazing. we call him Jean-Claude because he looks like Jean-Claude Van Damme and he talks like him and he tries to even look like him now because he thinks it's funny what do you think about that? (laughs) funny and and he's kind of like muscular like that too does he have a ponytail? no but he has a weird haircut (laughs) he's great he's really girl crazy even joke about it like every time we talk to him he's like oh do you think if i go up and touch her titties that she would be like excited (laughs) (laughs) or whatever (laughs) and you're like yeah go for it no he's great he's super funny Cats and dogs. Cats and dogs are kind of original guys because I have a label called Mothership. So they've done two albums for me. Hmm. Cats and dogs. It's just that Mothership wasn't as popular as Dirty Bird, and I didn't have enough time to run it 
is just too much work to run two labels, but I kind of still wish that I was able to do it because it's a totally different vibe. It's way deeper and more. Like Dirty Bird's kind of up front sometimes and in your face a little bit more and Mothership was more laid back and more underground. That's the Polish DJ duo Cats and Dogs with an I'm Crazy from their sophomore album Escape from Zoo, released on Mothership, Dirty Bird's former sister label. This is Madcap, and we're speaking with Dirty Bird boss Claude Von Stroke. This song, Beware of the Bird, is the title track from Claude Von Stroke's debut artist album, released in 2006. How does um, being a label head compare to being an artist? Being an artist is fun. (laughs) Being a label head is just really labor intensive. But it's also rewarding if you like business. If you don't like business, don't even bother. Were there any mentors for you in this department? Yeah, that was the, this DVD that I made was really my, it was like going to graduate school. Okay. Pretty much. Because I made this because when I was a kid and I was really into hip hop and I couldn't find, I'm like pre-internet. So there was no way to find out how to scratch or mix or do anything, make beats. There's no information. There was like sound on sound reviewing the Akai S900 for like keyboard players in London. (laughs) You know, like nobody's telling you how to make beats like DJ Premier or anything. So that was really a bummer. So I feel like I missed out. And if maybe I'd lived in New York City or something and had five people that knew what they were doing, I would have started music much earlier. So I, the whole point of me making that DVD was to make something to, to tell you kind of like the steps on getting into house and techno. And you were really teaching yourself. Yeah, really, it was just a scam. Of 
me interviewing all the most famous DJs in the world and gold mining them for all the information that I that I needed to get. Is this DVD available anywhere? It's the company that released it went under. Oh, so if you can find a copy, it's I don't know. I don't have. I have like one. What's the title? We may have to scour. It's eBay called first. Intellect. Most of the time, there's going to be something wrong with the scenario. There's going to be something wrong with the equipment. There's going to be something wrong with the promoter. There's going to be something wrong with the venue. Basically, the difference between an amateur and a professional is that the professional is going to be able to deal with it, adapt to that situation, and still rock the party no matter what's going on. Yep, we found it all right. That's Barclay Crenshaw from his 2003 DVD titled Intellect techno house progressive these days he goes by claude von stroke he's an accomplished producer and dj founder of dirty bird records and a family man since you're forced to play the cello and stuff like with your own children do you do you force the, uh encourage. Music, yeah, or encourage i'm I, forcing light them word. to play piano but not cello okay Cello's just gigantic. It is. It is. Uh, to be fair, I chose the cello, I have to say. But it was because I was just put in a room. I mean, I should be happy that I was forced to play the cello. I was put into a room in a music shop, and they said, just try out all the instruments and pick the one that you want to do. And I could, the cello was just the easiest one for me to get, like, a tune out of so I said I'll just play this one your tail was probably like when you picked the cello he's probably like beautiful, beautiful. no they were probably like what <laughs> I feel like cellos are expensive <laughs> <laughs> and they're heavy <laughs> good boy so for the next one are you going to put uh, the children's piano playing on it yeah maybe I don't know I think so <laughs> I'm sure they'll get on something somehow <laughs> Whistler by Claude Von Stroke from the album Beware of the Bird. One thing that we notice when you play, especially with your label mates, is what a good vibe there is between everybody kind of on right. the team, taking pictures of each other while you're DJing, drinking beers, and having a good laugh. Right. So what makes the Dirty Bird family bond so strong? Uh. Uh. Well, I think that for the original group, we were friends before this even started. So it's just kind of like if all your friends became popular DJs you would just hang out with them and have fun that's really what it is and we picked up some I mean not everybody is super like a super friend on the label but and that maybe just because we don't 
like live with them or would see them every day but so if i go out on the road with justin or somebody we know each other forever or Voitech and greg from cats and dogs i know them forever it's just gonna be lighthearted and fun and some of the newer guys i don't know as well so it'll still be fun i just you know it's like old friends just all becoming popular at the same time just what happened to us right what happened to us What else do you have on tap for 2014? We do a compilation at the start of every year. The first one was called Hatched. So this one is uh, themed after our Dirty Bird Barbecue, which is the original way we started our party by doing free barbecues in Golden Gate Park. And then we're going to have like six or seven Dirty Bird Barbecues all around the country. Really? To support the compilation. Well, we look forward to that. They're not, they might not be all free, but we're still having them. Excellent. From the Dirty Bird barbecue compilation, here's a preview of Buggin' by Justin Martin. So it seems like electro house may be slowing down a bit in the U.S. and people are starting to really pick up deeper sounds. Right. Have you perceived that at all? What's that been like from your perspective? Yeah, well, we always said that would happen when people got bored with, like, screechiness. I think it's happening. I mean, just the fact... I don't even want to, I don't want to say it for sure, but I might be getting into Vegas next year, which is like mind blowing to think that they would even consider bringing someone like us over there. Who knows what it'll be like. That is a sign that it's coming in a certain direction, I think. Who's Afraid of Detroit, one of Claude Von Stroke's first hit records. I mean, I'm playing clubs that I didn't think I would ever be playing already. Yeah, it would be out of the ordinary. It's probably like every milestone that you've experienced up to this date, I feel like. Yeah. It's funny that everything is... Like, in New Year's Eve, I'm playing with John Digweed, which is like... That's crazy. Okay. I used to go see Sasha and Digweed and I didn't even 
think that I wanted to be a DJ yet and thinking like, all oh, these guys are like the biggest freaking DJs in the universe. That's even happening. But you're right. Stuff like this is happening like every month. Just, just keep breathing, man. <laughs> right. Just go with it. How is this possible? Claude Von Stroke is the founder and head of Dirty Bird Records, who just released their 100th title. It's Von Stroke's third artist album, titled Urban Animal. For more information, visit DirtyBirdRecords.com or find them on Twitter at DirtyBird underscore SF. You can also visit ClaudeVonStroke.com and he tweets at the account at Von Stroke. Claude Von Stroke is playing Ultra South Africa, followed by a month in Europe. The first Dirty Bird barbecue of 2014 will be held on March 27th in Miami. And the Dirty Bird barbecue compilation is out on February 25th. For information and tour dates, visit madcapdc.org. Special thanks to Barclay Crenshaw himself, to Zoe at Teamwork, Alistair at Infamous PR, Stacy at Dirty Bird Headquarters, and to the Donovan Hotel for enabling this interview. And an extra special thanks to Claude Von Stroke's wife, Andy, without whom there would be no Dirty Bird records. This track from 2009's Bird Brain is named for her. your wedding oh so this is a funny one I DJ'd it (laughs) (laughs) but I I I didn't do it I just made five CDs and I said, you can only play the music from these CDs. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Justin and Chris and Worthy like actually went up and did it. That's fun. And, and the funny thing is, is that everybody asks me for those CDs all the time because they were really like, they were really focused. <laughs>
Claude Von Stroke. Can't thank you enough, man. Appreciate you being with us. Thank you. Madcap is produced by Dan Bloom, David Ross, and Afim Shapiro. Madcap is recorded in Washington, D.C. Madcapdc.org on Facebook and Twitter at MadcapDC. Next week on Madcap, we'll celebrate Valentine's Day with a discussion on sex and love. We're joined on our panel by the creator of Mind Sex Radio and a good friend of the show, Kim Dawson, and our special guest, Dr. Yvonne K. Fulbright, sexual wellness and relationship ambassador for Astroglide. Well, sex is so much fun, and it's even better when it's done from a healthy place. Uh, you know, I'm from Iceland originally, and when I moved to the States, I was 10 years old. I was the first girl in my class to go through puberty. Of course, you get a lot of attention with that. Can we talk a little bit about some myths? Mm-hmm. You teach human sexuality, right? Yeah. So aren't there a few myths about the female reproductive system? Oh, there's a ton. More than a few. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. mythological place. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Tell me. The pantheon <laughs> between my legs. It's Eden, goddammit. It's Eden. Sure. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Come on. Well, you know, one of the biggest ones is um, every woman has an erogenous G-spot. The whole debate oh, is, I hate you know, that bloody do they have a G-spot or not? Yes, every woman has an area of their body that has the potential to be erogenous, which it is called the G-spot. Is it Grafenberg or? A Grafenberg, yeah, Ernest Grafenberg was Big the original. Big up Grafenberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, My great uncle. He was a rapper, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was down with Boogie Down Productions. <laughs> G. Sorry, on, yeah, G. They call them G for short. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's about... Um, just like any other part of the body, does that feel good for every woman? No. It's mm. just like some women have nipples. It's no response when you mm. play with them versus guys out there who are, are more turned on with nipple play than their wives or girlfriends. Um, so that's a nut, like, you know, erogenous zones and thinking that everybody's going to be the same or respond the same way is one of the biggest fallacies. Foreplay. Yes. How crucial is foreplay? Most of the time, it's huge. Uh, you know, research has found Super that Bowl. women need at least 20 minutes of foreplay. And one of the reasons wow. being is that... Doing like 18. That was shocking. Yeah. 20 minutes. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I dock out of like 15 seconds. Learn something new every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it takes a while, you know, for some women to get turned on. And How many seconds is that? <laughs> I'm not kidding. Really mad. Kidding. <laughs> but what you're wanting to do is to have the vaginal canal elongate so that she can receive him. She can get, you know, wetter. Don't bust that nut yet. We'll be right back. Yvonne K. Fulbright is a PhD, a sexologist, and the author of many books, including her most recent, The Better Sex Guide to Extraordinary Lovemaking, now available in paperback. Boogie Down Productions, fresh for 86, suckers. (laughs) This is Claude Von Stroke. You're listening to Madcap.